Hello, welcome to Cafe with Strangers, and I almost choked on boba just right now. Um, anyways, before we get started, I want to do a little bit of a small recap, because I haven't done it in a while. Um, this is an open conversation between two fellow Latinos, and talking about like living experiences in America. So, before we get started and introduce my guests, I'm going to make, <coughs> oh my god, I'm going to mention that we have our beverage for today. It's not coffee, it's not tea, it's boba. We both got taro. So from Share Tea. Anyways, without further ado, my guest is Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on here with me and being a part of this. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, and I was trying to hold it in and not say it before we started recording, is you are the first person that's reached out in, via email and being like, hey, I saw that you wanted to be like, oh, we're interested, reaching out. So you're the first person. So I'm like, Excitement. This oh, is the sweet. First. <laughs> okay, nice, nice, nice. Glad to be the first. Yeah. Well, welcome. And I will just go ahead and let you kind of introduce yourself and give whatever back his back give whatever backstory. background history backstory that you like. Yeah, sweet. Um, okay, so Kevin, hi. Um, I'm a first gen Salvadoreño. Um, born in Anaheim, California. My parents both are from El Salvador. Um, they actually came here during the early eighties. They were actually escaping the civil war that was happening in El Salvador at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and they've settled in, they basically settled in Orange County. And for the first, I guess, 22 years of my life, I just grew up in Orange County. It was both me, and mom, uh, my, me, my mom, my dad, and then my older sister. Um, and growing up was interesting. I think that a lot of things have been recontextualized now that I've been in therapy for as long as I have. Um, I mean, it was fine. I think there was a lot of like basic necessities that were met, but there was a lot of things that like, I look back at it now and I've realized like there was a lot of things that I was missing that like, I'm kind of catching up to now in a way. Um, we're going to get to that later. Yeah. Sorry. I'm already <laughs> dropping bombs. Um, so yeah, so there was a lot of that, and then it was oh, not top not topic. Um, my dad passes away, and that was kind of the jumping off point for me to just bounce out of SoCal, and I felt like I just kind of needed to run outside the world and like kind of do something different for a little bit. How old are you when your when your dad passed? Twenty, twenty, twenty. Oof. Yeah, twenty, and it's been at this point. Yeah, so it's been a. It's been a hot minute that this all happened. Um, but did that, lived in Chicago for two years, and then I kind of bounced around the West mm -hmm. Coast for like six months, and I finally settled here. And I've been here for, I think, eight years at this point. I came in 2015. So somebody who does math <laughs> can figure that out because I'm not going to figure it out off the top of my head. So If it's easy math, I'm not doing it. I mean, it, this I is probably that. easy math, but like, my brain just doesn't know how to deal with the numbers. So I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else that you kind of want to mention before we kind of start digging into stuff? No, I feel like. No, I kind of feel like that's gonna. Okay. We're gonna kind of roll with it. I all guess. Right. So growing up in in California, Southern California, how was that for you? Like, what do you remember from that? Um. I mean, a lot of it was pretty chill. It was, it was, a, it was a very brown experience. Um, most of my community 
was like some type of like person from Latin America. And then there was like a mix of like, there was like Koreans, there were Filipinos, Vietnamese people, um, very few white people. And then like some black families here or there. Um, so very, in a sense, like Latin. Yeah. Like I very much grew up in that experience. And I think like California kind of like gives you even more because of that. So there's like a lot of like, I don't know, I think about like the fruit trees and like picking like naranjas off the side of the road because it's like hanging right over the sidewalk yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and just like Spanish just kind of being a commonplace in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so just stuff like that. Um, I can just bounce around. Um, yeah. Okay. Just whatever you want to share. If whenever you stop talking, that's when I go. Okay. What can I ask now? Okay. okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Th- but I think that so there was a lot of that. But I think a lot of that was like outside of like my periphery. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of growing up, and I, I realize this now, was like there's a lot of like solitude and a lot of like loneliness growing up. Even though like I had like mom and dad in the house, and I had like family that lived around us, and obviously had like friends here and there. Mm-hmm. But I think growing up, I didn't have a lot of connections with some of these people. And there was a lot of like under the surface tensions that were kind of like happening within my family that just made it really difficult to, I guess, get stuff from people like growing up. Would you say it it has to do with the, it's going on, we know something's going on, but we don't talk about it kind of? Very much. Okay. Yeah, very much. And I think that... I don't think that our family is is like the type of people that like it, they care about like I guess like el lujo or like all mm-hmm. of like the the fancy things that you have in your house, yeah. but more about like presenting themselves as like good, honest, working people, yeah. which they were. Um, but I think a lot of like issues basically got swept under the rug, and it's interesting now because like when I have conversations with family, like the, the there's always this like circling topic of like. Yeah there's a lot of like tensions or there's a lot of just like arguments that like aren't had or like conversations that aren't had. And it's like this type of like conflict is like essential because that's how you kind of build your relationships up with people and you kind of learn how to understand each other. And like, because a lot of those conversations weren't happening, there was a lot of like mystery in terms of like, how does this person feel or how's this person going? And like, I think that there was a lot of like, I guess politics with like the older generation. Okay. Like there was like a certain like person. So like for example, like my dad was kind of considered like, I don't know the 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 leader of the family. Okay. Like people came to him. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of like, he kind of handled people's problems, and if people needed things, like he was kind of like the go-to person. Um, and with that came like people that he associated with, but then there was also like family members where like he was kind of at odds with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, like I didn't have like certain relationships with like certain cousins who I'm close with now, but I didn't have them then because I'm a younger kid. And then I can't really like have that relationship because there's a conflict between like my dad and his sister or my dad and his brother kind of thing. Um, so that, all under the surface yeah. kind of shit that I just couldn't really like I honestly didn't know at the time. I feel that is so incredibly uh, common because as you're saying that, I'm thinking in the back of my head, yeah, there's a lot of shit that went down in my family that I had no idea about because we didn't talk about it or it was just with the adults. And I was, quote unquote, too too young to to know what was going on. And so, yeah, to this day, there's like a lot of stuff that I feel like I don't know. And and, and this is still 
like a pervasive issue now. Yeah. Where I'm still like seen as like the child and all the stuff that's happening with like the older adults is still the grown up matter. And it's like, no, I'm fucking 34. Like, and I probably know a little bit more than you do in certain topics. So it's like, yeah. you know, I need to be part of this conversation yeah. or I don't need to know this because that's a you problem. That's not yeah. a family problem kind of deal. Are there any kind of other examples that you're able to give? Of like, just kind of like this. Just like the surface thing and we're not told it because X, Y, Z. This might be, this is kind of going to, this is going to go into like another topic. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, and at this point, I'm just kind of torching things um, as I go. But like, so like, for example, one of my ideas I was like pretty close with. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, my mom just was not a big fan of like me going to like sleepover at like her house because she had a younger son and we kind of grew up and we essentially are brothers at this mm -hmm. point. Um, we've kind of like had our ups and downs, but like at this point we genuinely have like a mutual connection with one another. And, you know, a lot of that was kind of stifled and I younger, like younger me didn't really understand like, why can't I go spend the night over there? And, it, and I had a sneaking suspicion and this is another topic as well, but like, I had a sneaking suspicion that my mom was jealous of that aunt mm -hmm. either because she felt like I was associating with her a lot. And like, I was like hanging out with her a lot more or because of her own insecurities or whatever. Mm -hmm. And of course, like several, several decades later, my mom tells me and is like, yeah, you know, like I had a real hard time. Like, you know, when you would like go and hang out with your aunt or when you would talk to your aunt and it was because, like, I kind of felt jealous, like, of, like, your relationship with her. And I was like, first of all, I knew it. Totally fucking called <laughs> it. Um, and second of all, like, you know, it, it affirmed that, you know, that suspicion that I had when I was a kid. And to a certain degree, it also kind of pissed me off because yeah. I was like, you know, th this is kind of the issue of, like, why our family doesn't really do a lot. Like, there's not a lot of, like, tradition or, like, getting together or, like, doing stuff together because of all of these, like, animosities. And Did you grow up with your family having, like, large gatherings together? No. No. I mean, like, we would do things every so often. Mm -hmm. But most of the time we were kind of, like to ourselves, basically. Okay. The adults would talk to each other. Um, and in particular, like my dad would have like, he had a sister who he had like a very close connection with. They talked like every day mm -hmm. and like would often be like on the phone with each other for like several hours. Mm -hmm. But that was like the one like relationship that like I think was close. But even then there was like odd tension in that relate, not that relationship, but like how my mom kind of perceived that relationship mm -hmm. as well. Um, but no, I mean, like we did like some stuff like when I was younger, but especially as I started getting older, a lot of those like traditions of like, I don't know, doing something for December 24th, like where it's like, it, it was like kept to like a very, very small group of people. Yeah. And like, there wasn't a lot of like, you know, hanging out with everybody. That's, that's so interesting to me because I'm. I'm, I was used to those big, large gatherings. Like um, my family and I would go to Mexico pretty much every single summer. Yeah. And so over there, it's gonna be big parties for every little thing, you know? So I got used to that. And 
I consider that normal. My brain saw that as a normal thing because it was a very significant, not significant, um, it's a very common Latin experience to do that. And so that's one thing that I kind of hearing other people talk, I'm like, oh, that's not the same experience for everyone. It's one of those things I'm like, I, I feel like I should have been, not should have been, but like, I just wasn't super aware that other people don't have that Latin experience. Yeah. And just, I'm like, oh, damn. Well, and it, and it, and it always sucked because like, I would go to like other friends' houses where they would have like a big old fucking pachanga and like, it's all wild and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. I only had one experience where like, I recall like having like a big family gathering and it was like my fifth birthday. And I have a distinct memory of like, when I turned six years old, like I went outside to the backyard and I looked around and I'm like, oh, no one's here for my birthday this year. It was like the saddest thing, like, but, <laughs> but like, but like, it was just like that where it was just like, there were like odd, like odd events where yeah. we'd like do stuff together. Um, but not a whole ton of them. Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with like, again, like just kind of the weird, like politicking that was happening within like the adults in my family. Do you feel like you had some typical traditional like Latin experiences kind of quote unquote stolen from you? Yes. Yes. Um, I think some of this has to do because of both my mom and my dad being Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know, like, what do you mean it has to do with your parents? being Catholic? So like, for example, like, you know, I don't know, I guess the meme of like Saturday mornings, everybody's cleaning, but like, there's like music blaring. Yeah. There's no music in my house. Oh. Yeah. Like, there's no music. It's not like, I don't know. It's not like a jovial experience. It was just kind of like, okay, just clean. I literally have a Spotify playlist called House Cleaning on a Saturday Morning. I didn't have that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I didn't have that. And that was also, and, and I mean, some of that had to do with, like, my parents being religious. And, like, they just didn't like certain music because you know, because of language or because of the themes in the songs and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't until I was like 21 that I found out that like my mom liked the Beatles. I was like, what the fuck? Like, you actually like music? And it was just weird. So it's like stuff like that, where it's like, where religion kind of conflicted with like some of the things of being Latin that like you just didn't do. Like, my family didn't party. Like, it was super ultra rare if somebody got drunk. Like, at least within like the small family unit that I live in. Like yeah. it was very rare if I saw like my mom drunk. Um, which funny story, the one time that I did see her drunk, I like made fun of her. Like she was like coming into the house and she, I guess she had like two or three shots of like tequila. And like I see her and I'm just like, estas borracha? Estas borracha, huh? Mira esta borracha. <laughs> and like my mom just starts breaking down in tears and she's like, um, no soy borracha no soy borracha I'm like and I'm just like taunting her like a five year old like making fun of somebody on the playground kind of thing like oh my god so but that kind of stuff was not like very commonplace so it's like I think that there was like stuff like that I mean there was like very very traditional like foods for example like Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that I'm glad like was still around so it's like the caldo de res you know your pupusas your tamales for you know uh for christmas that stuff was still around and i think because of like 
my family's religiousness, like a lot of it was also based around church. And so like my parents were very heavily involved in the church. Um, And some of it, I think there was a specific reason why, but ultimately it was also because they were just religious. I want to delve into that a little bit because I feel I don't meet too many other people or I don't feel like I, I want to delve into that because I grew up religious. My parents are also Catholic but not to the point where they wouldn't play like music in a sense how you're describing. So I'm curious to know, you know, your relationship with religion nowadays and, you know, just how you grew up and how it's kind of turned your view into religion, how you view it nowadays. I mean, I'm an atheist, so (laughs) (laughs) I think that probably says enough. Um, I mean, I I became very disillusioned with the church, Mm -hmm. like pretty early on, like, not early, but like, I want to say around like ninth grade was when like, I just was like, I don't really like the shit. Like yeah. I just really didn't. And um, I think now the way I kind of like, I don't know, like, have you ever heard like somebody who's like a cultural Jew or like a cultural Catholic where it's like, no, actually. so it's kind of, so I didn't understand this topic until like I had a friend in college who like I asked her like are you like Jewish and she's yeah. like nah I'm a cultural Jew and I'm like what the fuck is that but it's like basically where you do the customs and traditions from that religion but you're not necessarily like practicing mm. the religion itself so there's a lot of like so it's kind of odd that like now like I actually sometimes do find comfort in like just sitting in a church like especially when like no one's around and just kind of like marveling at like the way that it looks and just kind of, you know, the peace and quiet that you get there mm-hmm. or even stuff like, like I went to Mexico city a couple of years ago and um, I forget the name of the church, but it's like the really, it's like a really big one. And like La Virgen Guadalupe is like front and center at that church. And like the, you know, the church is gorgeous. Like the grounds are like really like pristine and nice. And there's a lot of like things to see. And like that stuff was still like it was like something that I like felt something for but I think a lot of it is because like that's kind of what I grew up in like okay you know like it was you know especially when I was younger it was like doing the rosary like you know I don't remember how often we would do it but I remember doing it with my mom um you know and going to church like every Sunday and like making sure that I go for like the big events and like I was even like an altar boy which is the weirdest thing considering how I look like now. Like I'm like the total (laughs) antithesis of like what an altar boy should be. But like, you know, that kind of stuff, like it still evokes a feeling for me, but that's because like I grew up with it. And like, so that's part of like, I guess a tradition that like I am kind of grappling with now where it's like, I know I don't want to be religious. I Mm -hmm. I don't. Um, And I think I saw enough of the like politics and a lot of just like the hypocrisy of like, growing up in like a pretty religious family to know that like, eh, I, it's not for me, gotcha. but the role of like what those, like the, the symbols and the things that like, I was like a part of, I'm still trying to figure out like what, the, how that fits into my life. So it's, it's interesting. I, I don't, mm. I don't have a specific answer for that yet. You, you just seem like you have a more positive, even though you're not religious, you seem to have a more positive outlook perspective on the religion that you grew up with yes that's okay that's what i find interesting in a sense because that's not where i am (laughs) i mean i i guess i guess like i i respect it in the sense that like people find 
like meaning and purpose through that mm-hmm. religion. And so it's like, what for what is it for me to, you know, openly talk shit about like the Catholic church and all that stuff yeah. to these people that like genuinely find meaning and connection. I just draw the line when they start preaching to me and then I'm like, oh fuck no, we're not doing this. Like I'm not, I'm not barking up that tree again. Gotcha. Um, so I guess that that's where like I kind of draw my line um, is just don't preach me. Um, but it's taken a long time to figure this out. So it's not like this is like something that I've like felt and like have figured out in my head like yeah. for years now. Like I think it's a pretty recent thing where I was like, oh, okay, I can tolerate the religion, um, but I don't want to be a part of it. I get that. I yeah. understand that. All right. Yeah. I want to mention a little something because as you were talking about like your mom being drunk, I just thought of it popped up in my head one thing my mom did. Uh, my mom doesn't drink very often. Mm-hmm. And so this one time we were, uh, we used to live next door to an, um, an uncle of ours. So we go over and I'm going like next door to, to my, to our place. And my mom goes, oh, ve agarra este, tu cerveza vegetariano. And I was like, what? De la botella verde, the, the green bottle. I'm like, you want me to get my vegetarian beer? Cause it's in a green bottle. I'm like, mom, <laughs> it's beer. <laughs> I thought you were saying it was like non-alcoholic or something like that. I was like, oh. <laughs> so I was so confused and she was just literally like, so one of the reasons I was smiling is because I was imagining you, how you were like giving your mom shit and how we were giving like my mom shit for that. Yeah. Just little moments like that. Anyways, I thought that was funny. I'm like, mom's, mom's for the win like that. Mom's always do this. Um, alrighty. So um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about so growing up in SoCal, mm-hmm. I can imagine, I'm imagining it was kind of like a similar experience that I possibly had where, how do I rephrase this? Let me rephrase this. Growing up in SoCal, you were surrounded by like a lot of Latinos. Yep. It was super normal for you. How old were you when you realized like the environment that you're in is very not common in other parts of the world, other parts of the States? As soon as I went to Chicago, which was 22. Really? I mean, well, not, I mean, I knew that there was a lot of communities that like existed outside of me that are like mostly white. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess I I didn't have that exposure Mm -hmm. until like I actually went to Chicago. So maybe that makes more sense. Yeah. Would you say that, was that you experiencing culture shock at 22? Yes. That, that, that's probably the better way of putting it. Like I, I knew like, and I mean, I think like I also had just like a very odd relationship with white people, and I still kind of do. Mm-hmm. Um, because let's delve into that as well. By okay. weird, I guess. How is it for you? Like, like my mom. So my mom and my dad worked. I don't know what would be the right word, but like they sewed like bags. Mm-hmm. Like as a profession, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that's like seamstress, but like you know, they, that's that's what they did. They did that back in El Salvador. That's what they were really good at. They had a business at one point, and like they worked for various people. Yeah. But a lot of the people that they worked for were like either white or white passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my experiences with those people is like, you know, the communities that they were in were like also mostly white, and my experiences with them were more. Like we worked for them, mm-hmm. you know, like if it wasn't like my parents working for these people, it was also like we were cleaning like the factory, 
like I like we would do that like every Sunday. Like instead of hiring a cleaning crew, like me and like my family would like go and clean the factory up. And so it was like, and it wasn't like, like uh, like they were good people, mm-hmm. but like there was a clear line between like who played the top dog role and like who was kind of subservient kind of thing. Yeah. And so like for me, like that was just kind of my experience growing up, where it was like white people were just kind of like, you know they're the money makers, but they're also like the people that like are doing their thing and we kind of work for them kind of deal. And so it was like, it was so like going back to like Chicago, like I go from my community to going to the university of Chicago, working in their social work program where it's like 99% white. And you know, and and, it, and and that's already kind of an interesting topic, too, because you have the University of Chicago, which is just a bunch of rich kids, like, dead set in the middle of Southside Chicago, oh. you know? And so it's like, there's already, like, a weird dynamic happening there, but then I'm, there's also this weird dynamic happening with me where I'm like, oh, there's a lot of white people here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I guess just kind of dealing with, like, that whole experience, like, I guess my way of assessing like whether I was going to be friends with some of these people or not was like just kind of interacting with them and like just deciding, okay, like, are we going to be friends or are you going to expect me to clean your house at some point? Like that was kind of my metric for how I decided like whether I was going to be friends with certain people or not, because there were just some white people that just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Like they were doing like the work, but they didn't have necessarily an understanding of like, you're going to be going out into the field working with most likely probably black and brown people. And you're either going to sink or swim in terms of figuring out like what's your role in that and how you're going to be an effective like social worker within that field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's already like this huge pay gap between like what you do and where you're from to like the community that you're ultimately going to be working with. And so there was a lot of like me trying to figure out like, okay, like, is this person okay? Is this person okay? And like, eventually, like I, I refined the way that I, you know, figured this out, but like, it was a bit of, it was a bit of a struggle. And like, I definitely felt like, like to give a better, I guess a better idea, like the first day or two of like going to the school, like we would have these like get togethers and like, I remember showing up to these get-togethers and everybody's like, it's a big dick contest. Like everybody's like, you know, talking about like, oh, I did this like research project in mm-hmm. Uganda. And like, I did this, you know, I wrote this paper with this like professor, you know, over the summer. And here's me like showing up and I'm like, yeah, I like, and I don't know if this might be funny or not, but like, oh yeah, like. I just worked Home Depot for like the last three months because I need to make money so I could pay my rent here. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like this is just kind of like my experience. Like I was working right before this. I wasn't writing any like fancy papers. I was literally working at Home Depot, like pushing carts and shit. So I'm like, it's just what it is. And like, it was just kind of weird having to like, I guess, share that with people or like, I didn't know what, what to say. So it's like, no. Oh. I think I have a story that can really relate to that, or at least on the same kind of premise. Mm-hmm. Um, so my culture shock came at 11, almost 12, when I moved to Idaho. And I remember when I moved to this new town, I was 13. We were we went up in front of the class, and we were kind of introducing ourselves, you know, the usual stuff that they do in classes like that. Yeah. 
And one of the things like, oh, what your parents do and, you know, talk about that. And as everyone's going around, I am the only Latina in that class, I'm pretty sure. But like, um, yeah, so I was the only one Latina in that class. And my dad is disabled. He has been disabled for like most of my life. Mm -hmm. And my mom has always done hard labor kind of jobs, mm-hmm. uh, working um, at a restaurant. Most, most, of, most of her experience is working at restaurants or cleaning houses, hotels. That's usually what she's done. And so my mom at that point um, was a housekeep, house, housekeeper. She was cleaning houses. Mm-hmm. I remember everyone's going up and they're saying what their parents are doing. And I'm just like, mm. I'm, I'm feeling the sense of embarrassment. I remember feeling that sense of embarrassment and I didn't have the word to I didn't realize it was embarrassment until like later on. Yeah. But when I go up there, um, and everyone had pets too. That was the one thing. Oh. Everyone had pets. You didn't have pets growing up? Um, no, not really. I mean, we had a, like a fish. But we didn't it's the same, I, we didn't have same <laughs> shit with me. <laughs> you know, birds. Not no, not even not, not Oh, birds. I had birds. I um, had birds is what I'm saying. Oh, you have yeah, birds, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember going up there and I felt embarrassed when I said that my dad was disabled and my mom cleaned houses because everyone else had a job where the, the parent was a teacher. They were, um, they were a doctor, a nurse. Yeah. They had these education, um, these jobs that required education. Most of these people did. Yeah. If, if they weren't, then they were like something that was wealthier or something like that. And I just remember I felt so alone and out of place. Yeah. Being like going up there, I just felt, I felt embarrassed. Yeah. And that's something that I, I hate, I hated that I felt like that, but I feel like it's something that we've gone to, like, I have to remind myself, like my, I'm first generation too. Like my parents came here, I'm doing what I can to be a successful person. So it's like, I'm not going to have, I don't have the same advantages or um, privileges that these other people had. So of course we're going to have different stories. Like I'm going to be working while you're off vacationing in Europe for the summer kind of thing, you know? So yeah, that when you were saying that, I was thinking of that in my back of my mind, I'm like, my back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that happened. Yeah. Well, now that that you're (laughs) mentioning this, like I I also had that exact same feeling like growing up and mind you, I've like dissociated most of like my childhood at this point, but like the feeling, and I guess the story along with it too, is like, I felt the same way too. It was like, I didn't really know how to explain like what my parents did. Um, And even to a certain point, like, I guess kind of gendering it, it's like my dad does a girly job, like he sews kind of thing. That was let's, also kind of a, let's go into that because that's one of the things that I also want to talk about is machismo yeah. and how that affected you if it, it did affect you and you saying that right now like your father did what society especially like in Latin culture yeah. considered feminine feminine how was that like how was that experience for you I don't know how to explain honestly I kind of don't know again either because I've dissociated was my childhood or like I guess just the way that I kind of perceived I guess the machismo is very much like who kind like my mom and my dad played very gendered roles Mm -hmm. like as much as like they and they both worked together so that was kind of like they did everything together so but like for the most part like you know my mom and my dad worked but my dad earned more and like in the house 
uh, like he didn't clean, he didn't really cook. Like that was the role that like my mom took on. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom also was kind of like the main like person when it came to like childcare mm-hmm. and like child rearing and stuff. Um, but I think some of this too is also complicated because I think my parents' relationship is kind of interesting. Um, like, I think my mom was kind, well, I don't know how to put this. I guess I'll blurt it. My mom was a bit of a narcissist. Mm. And so, and I think along with that, like my dad kind of just did whatever she wanted to. Mm-hmm. And like my dad, and because of like the way that like my mom like was the main like caretaker for the kids and she kind of was possessive of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a relationship growing up with my dad. Like there was hardly times where like we would like interact and do stuff together. And maybe, maybe it was like more when I was younger, we would do stuff as a family, mm-hmm. but in terms of like relationship with dad, was it really there? So it's like, I couldn't, I didn't really draw a lot of machismo from my dad. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this came more from like, I guess, just trying to figure out like, how do I function in this world and kind of picking things up from like media mm-hmm. and from like TV and like what friends were saying. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of a weird, and like, this is where like, I think I always have trouble with because I'm sorry, I'm like jumping topics, but like, totally <laughs> um, you know, like with, with, I think with my parents, like, and this kind of goes like, you know, they, they gave me everything I needed. Like they, they gave me like a place to live. I had clothes. It wasn't like I ever went without food. Like I hardly had like a difficult, like I didn't have, like I didn't have like, you know, there wasn't any sort of like, I guess, you know, abuse in the household, at least to me, there wasn't any like situation where like I was like in, you know, in danger because of my parents, but there was a lot of just bond and connection that just wasn't there with my parents. Um, and I can, I, I understand where a lot of it comes from. Mm-hmm. Some of it has to do with work, which I think with like a lot of like first geners, like I think parents are typically working like jobs that are very long hours that maybe don't pay well. So they're working multiple jobs and like, you're spending a lot of time out of the house. Right. So that was something that like I was dealing with was like, you know, parents are working long hours and stuff, but I think that there was a lot of just internal conflict within my family to where, you know, a lot of attention wasn't put on me because, Oh, well, Kevin's good. Like Kevin's doing fine. You know, he's a smart kid. He's not causing any issues. And so it was like, I was left to my own devices. Uh, learning from, you know, whoever I could get some sort of like bond with. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with my parents, it, it kind of came with, I guess, conditions. Because, you know, if I have an issue, it's like, well, they're already dealing with enough. And so I had to like growing up, I had to be very perceptive of like what was going on in the house. Um, so in a weird way, like, I guess the machismo thing, I, I guess I don't have a clear answer for it because like there was like odd dynamics happening with my family where like yeah. I wasn't getting it from there. Yeah. I was probably getting it from friends, like more than anything. 
um, which was like completely like opposite of like the type of person that I am. Um, but family dynamic wise, it was, yeah, I wasn't really getting a lot there. And so it's interesting that you say that uh, talking about like how parents working long hours don't really get to form that kind of relationship or that bond. Um, so my, my dad being disabled, he pretty early on, um, he stayed home mm-hmm. at home. And so he was the, the caregiver in a sense, because he was at home with us. But even being at home with us, we still didn't form like a bond or connection. Yeah. So it kind of just made me think like, I think no matter what, most of us first geners are not, we're never going to have that kind of connection with our parents Yeah. because that's just how they are. Yeah. Um, I've actually had a conversation with a cousin who is 20 years old and his mom and then my dad we were all there talking and you know they've had their issues my aunt and my cousin just like most kids do with their parents you know yeah and i remember telling my aunt and saying i was like you may never understand him and to my cousin you are never going to understand her because you guys grew up in completely different worlds yeah you're both you guys are both Mexican. You guys speak the same language. You guys are family, but you guys grew up in very different environments. Yeah. Creating a d- different personalities. So yeah. like a lot of things that they would argue about and like these arguments are going to happen. There's yeah. almost like they're almost inevitable kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No. And then that, that I feel that very much with, just looking at my mom and dad. Maybe my dad would have been a little bit more relatable, but again, like I spent so little time with them, like bonding Mm -hmm. that like, I I honestly couldn't. Like, and it's weird, like having like other people tell you about like the qualities of your dad. It's biggest mind fuck to me. Like, like when he passed away, like one of his, um, one of the youth that he was a youth group, like, pastor or not pastor but like leader for Mm -hmm. like he came up to me like when my dad passed away and he was talking about like all these things that like my his you know my dad imparted on him and like how much he's been like guiding him and helping him and i'm just listening to him i don't even remember if i like cried but like i remember in the back of my head going like where the fuck was this when i was growing up like where was this like who is this person because i didn't get that from him you know yeah And there was a lot, and I think, I mean, a lot of this stuff never got talked about Mm -hmm. between me and my dad. So I grew up, or like after he passed away, like I was incredibly resentful of him. I'm like, the only thing that you really gave me was you dying. Because that kind of gave me the opening to like get out of Anaheim. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the only thing that he gave me. And I was like, it's better than nothing. I think now I just have kind of like a neutral relationship with how I view my dad, where it's like, like he's obviously like he provided, he was there. To my understanding, he loved me and he was proud of like what I did. Um, But he's just kind of just a figment of the past. And it's like, it's, he was here, he left and like, I kind of, I processed my resentment. I understood where he was coming from and that's just where I left it. I think one thing that 
a lot of us first generers are having to to work through is knowing that um, you know if you're fortunate enough to have a relationship with your parents like or one thing I feel like that we're we're kind of dealing with is that while our our parents weren't possibly like emotionally there for us they still loved us and it's working through that process of like they did the best that they could and just because you weren't met with this one it's very important <laughs> need it doesn't doesn't mean that they don't love you and it's I, I think that's very difficult to to process and kind of come to terms accept and just accept that that's the reality is like yeah they weren't what we needed unfortunately they weren't always there gonna they were never going to be able to provide to that like extent yeah. and we're just kind of like that's just the aftermath is of dealing with this and you like my parents love me they just had a different way of showing it and going about it and yeah kind of like learning to let go of that resentment of oh did you really love me do you even care about me kind of thing yeah so yeah. i i find myself struggling with that right now where like I I don't know what to make of it because like on one hand like and I think some of this has to do with like just the level of empathy that I had to give mm -hmm. to like my parents growing up whether they knew about it or not and I think now it's kind of like the wells dry mm -hmm. like my empathy wells dry and I'm like nah like I'm having to learn all this shit now and it's like and even like right now I can feel this intense like burning inside of me where I'm just like no like that's fucked up like you know, like I shouldn't have had to like figure this stuff out through like people around me, you know? And like, obviously this is like an individual experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like my experience is not necessarily equate to everybody's experience. Although I do agree with the whole, you know, like you, you kind of have to understand, like, I guess where they come from and like how much they could give you, I guess just in my experience, again, me, <laughs> like, you know, I'm still kind of, dealing with like kind of picking up the pieces and i'm just yeah. like i'm i don't know it just it kind of burns inside it's not fun i guess to make it a little bit more broader is processing and dealing with the aftermath of growing up with your childhood the way that your parents treated you yeah how they sh showed or did not show their affection love yeah and stuff yeah, yeah. adulting is great yeah adulting is fun <laughs> Just love being it. Well, actually, I do love my therapist. I'm not gonna lie; it's been good. <laughs> That's um, great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I actually really like that you mentioned that and brought it up on your own because I remember years ago, it just how much more taboo it was yeah. to even say those words out loud. I remember I used to. I I remember there was a time where I was like the only one in the yeah. mental with like with a mental health professional. Like, yeah. Cause I've been in, I've been in therapy since I was on and off, but pretty much since I was 15 ish, 15 ish or something like that, 15, yeah. 16. So for me, like at that point, especially at that age, like we didn't talk about this shit. Oh it yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't talked about. Like you prayed, it. I, you prayed it away. <laughs> and, um, I remember like feeling embarrassed for seeing a therapist and like being cautious of like, Oh, yes and seeing a therapist and stuff and it was really i remember feeling like a shame and an embarrassment about it too and so that's one of the reasons that like i also want to talk more about it is because while it is more prominent to be like just casually mentioning oh yeah i have a therapist this and that yeah 
there's still so much more stigma behind it. And there's still people out there that go like, I mean, this person's crazy. And like, they legit feel that way. Yeah. About these people who were seeking mental health treatment and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, like, I guess like thinking back, like I didn't start therapy until I was like in grad school. So Mm -hmm. like 22-ish. But even before that, like, I mean, I think my mom went to a therapist. And here's the thing. I don't even know why she went. So again, one of those topics that just kind of gets swept under the rug kind of thing. Um, But she went to a therapist, but like my family had a pretty odd relationship. I mean, first of all, like primarily religious. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was just like, we'll just pray for whatever issues are going on. Um, But we didn't really lean upon like mental health Mm -hmm. at all. Um, It certainly wasn't an issue that was talked about, even though it's definitely pervasive in my family. I mean, you survived a civil war, so you got PTSD running through your brain for sure. Um, And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of how my entire family is, especially with that topic, but like, I know they're, Mm -hmm. they saw shit, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I'm pretty sure that's happening. But like, I guess looking back at it now, like I look at like, like, like with like my mom, for example, like major depressive, super depressive. Um, and I brought up the topic and I, I, I don't know if it's just like a concern. I think a part of it too is like, she wants somebody who's like has a religious background and I'm just like, mom, but they're going to understand you no matter what, like, it's okay. Like yeah. just go to a therapist. And it's yeah. like, uh, but like that definitely isn't a thing. And it's even with like the generation now, like very few of us have seen like a therapist. I had a cousin who went to a therapist, but it was only after he had like a major like meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only until it got bad that like they actually went. And like at this point, like, I mean, I can't speak for like everybody because I have family like in other states and then there's the whole family back in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. But like to my knowledge, like I'm probably for sure the person who's been in therapy the longest and probably the only person that's going currently, unless like somebody's started going and I just didn't know about it. But like, I've been at it for forever. And like, I think now like my family is coming around to it, Mm -hmm. but I think there's just, you know, whatever kind of comes up for them. I think either they just don't want to do it yet. Mm -hmm. They're not ready for it. Or like, it's not something that they necessarily believe in. So yeah. yeah. Do you remember how mental health was viewed in your family? Like, if it, how it was talked about? We didn't really talk about it. Like, we, we just didn't. Like, yeah. we didn't really, at least from what I remember, like, we, we really didn't, like, have that conversation whatsoever. How, how is that conversation nowadays with your family? Like, let's say that you were to bring it up to your mom or a family member and be like, you mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm seeing my therapist or something like that. Like, how does that interaction usually go? Oh, I mean, like, in terms of me, like, most people are like, oh, that's good. I'm glad that you're doing that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, there's no, like, there, there, like, I don't get, like, a lot of, like, pushback because I'm, like, seeking, seeing a therapist. And when I bring up the idea, like, oh, like, maybe you should go to therapy. Like, I also know, I guess I kind of know how to broach that conversation now where it's like, 
you know, like everybody should have a therapist. It's like you're just kind of working the kinks in your brain, if anything. Yeah. You know, it's just like house cleaning or housekeeping. <laughs> My bad. Housekeeping. Like it's house just like housekeeping. And housekeeping. Yeah, for your brain. Yeah. And so it's like, I, like you know, like I think they, they, there's no negative reaction at least when I bring it up. And especially with like, when I talk about like my experience, like I don't get any negative reactions out of it. In fact, sometimes it kind of gets weaved into the conversation and like people just kind of learn something interesting about like what I learned about my brain. So it's like, I think there's more openness to it now, but like, I mean, I wouldn't have even known the topic of mental health if you had asked me when I was like 13 or 14, like actual like mental health management because yeah. nobody, we it don't talk about it. Yeah, we don't talk about <laughs> it. And yeah, so yeah. I want to talk a little bit into medication yes. because you mentioned we, we talked briefly before recording a little bit about medication. I mentioned that I'm on Concerta right now and how I don't like it. And then you mentioned that you were on Adderall and you didn't like it. I love being on Adderall. It was great. It worked for me. It gave me hand tremors though, so I had to stop because it was getting in the way of work. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about medication. How yeah. has your how has your experience been with that? Um, I mean, right now it's good. Mm -hmm. um, I'm taking. I'll just talk about it. If you're comfortable, I mean, I can oh, tell yeah, you yeah. what I'm taking too. I have no problem with that. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I'm taking Wellbutrin right now, mm -hmm. um, and then I guess I'm taking. I the way that like my site talked about it, it's like a, I guess like a beta blocker. It, it's supposed to help out with like my anxiety itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and those have been great. I mean, it definitely gives like the boost that I need because otherwise I'm just like a depressive, anxious mess most days. Um, Adderall, the, the thing that I didn't like about Adderall was just like, first of all, it kind of gave me like a really bad headache sometimes. Interesting. Just because of like, I guess the rush of like, I don't know, whatever they're pumping me with. Um, <laughs> but like, I think it was also just... I also, it was kind of like the same effect as to me and like the way that my body reacted, it was as if like I had taken like coffee, only the coffee was helping me like center my brain in terms of what I was doing in front of me. So I guess just the after effects of it or the, the side effects of it just weren't really comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the fact that I was like kind of jittery and like it made me sweat more and you know, that like the come down after it had worn off at the end of the day was not fun either. Cause I was just like brain dead by the end of it. It was just, wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't a big fan of it. And like, honestly, the only reason why I haven't really like taken, taken any like medication for it since is because I'm like kind of lazy because <laughs> I'm supposed <laughs> to do the evaluation. And like, I brought it up with my like psych now and she's like, Oh, like, you know, if you do want to get on the medication, like we're going to have to like do like a full eval. Okay. And, like, part of that was, like, I just had to figure all that out. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to figure this out. Like, I just don't want to. <laughs> you, so you mentioned Wellbutrin. I've been on Wellbutrin before. Um, it's not common that I meet other people that are on medication. Mm -hmm. It's not as common, I should say, because there's a lot more hesitation with it. Yeah. How was your journey in and like taking these medications, did you struggle? Did you have hesitations? Uh, yeah, hesitations for sure. Um, I I think the first time that it got brought up to me, I had such an aversion to it. And I think part of that was because the way that I saw medication was like, well, that's for super crazy people. Mm. Like that's for real, that's like if you have like your shit off the walls kind of stuff. And to be honest, a lot of that also comes back to like me denying like any of my mental health issues. Um, 
and just that part of me is just like, no, we're just going to like muscle through this. And it's like, that's not okay. Like it, it took some time to kind of get to the point where I was like, okay, let's give medication a shot. And honestly, some of that had to come down to like my therapist who like, I was able to like talk that through with and like feel better about it. Yeah. Um, but like, and it kind of jumped around a little bit just because I didn't have like, a person that I could go to. I mean, now I have like it all dialed in. Like I have my therapist who I'm like super stoked about and I have my psych who I'm like super stoked about. And so some of that was also kind of playing into it too, where it's yeah. just like, I just didn't have the relationship that I wanted with like the person that I was working with. So some of this information I just didn't want to disclose, but like a big part of it was just getting over the hump of like, it's not for crazy people. Like, it's a normal, it's a healthy thing. It's as if you're taking medication for like any other physical issue. Like there's no difference between that. So it's like, why are we like getting so caught up about like, well, like what? Like I'm gonna be like, this must mean I'm crazy, you know? And it's like, no, we got some stuff to work through, but like, this is normal. This is for anybody. So yeah, it took some time to kind of get there. Um, sorry, what was the question? Did I answer? Honestly, I don't fully remember exactly what I asked, but I think you answered it. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I do want to ask, uh, so speaking of mental health, so statistically, men are less likely to seek out therapy, seek out mental health help. So that and being Latin, how was that, like, how did you, how was that journey into getting into the mental health field? Like, was it, how much of it was just you seeking it out and doing it yourself or how much was it like other, I guess just how was your journey with yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of this, it's funny. I didn't have like a, an answer for the machismo thing, but now I have an answer for it. Okay. So I'll, I guess I'll kind of get into it. I mean, a lot of like, and I guess this kind of goes back to like the childhood thing where it's like, I'm kind of figuring this shit on my, on my own. Mm -hmm. Like not having the right people in place to like really be able to like discuss my feelings. Cause I did, I didn't have that outlet like growing up and like of course like the friends that i did have like it was really difficult to have vulnerable conversations and like be able to like discuss my feelings and like figure out like what's going on in my head because i mean a lot of like my depression and my anxiety uh i mean that's been around since i was like i think i told my therapist recently like it was like five wow. the first time when like i remember like feeling like any like feeling of depression yeah. um and so it's like a part of it is having like the right friends who like i felt comfortable having these conversations about mm -hmm. normalizing that it's fine to like talk about your feelings and be okay with it um mostly women who have been really helpful in that um and then also some of those friends like going either to therapy themselves or they work like working towards being therapists on their own. Mm -hmm. And so like having those like people as like soundboards to like kind of work through it and be like, okay, like maybe there is a reason I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but inside also still fighting it, you know, like still fighting the fact that like, um, that I am, that I have depression and fighting the fact that like I do have anxiety and fighting the fact that like I had a really difficult time like kind of processing feelings growing up and like so kind of getting to the point where like i had the right circle of people around me mm -hmm. 
who were encouraging it. And then finally realizing like, I don't like how I feel. So I have to do something mm-hmm. like, and I, and that's kind of how it started. Um, but even now I still fight those feelings. Okay. So probably, okay. So <laughs> on top of like the anxiety and the depression, I also have a dissociative disorder. So, and I don't know, maybe I should explain what dissociative disorders are. Um, if you'd like to, I mean, yes, because I'm aware of dissociation. Um, I dissociate, so I'm familiar with it. So my brain is thinking like, yeah, I understand. But I'm like, I understand there's also people who, who don't fully understand it and know what it is. Yeah. So if you want to, you might be have a better way to explain it than I do. <laughs> well, also, my therapist is going to be listening to this because I told her I was doing no this. No way. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I got to get this right. Um, so I guess like I'll, I'll like, so dissociation is kind of on the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And it's normal for everybody. It's like anybody does it. Like if you ever like zone out and like daydream, that's dissociation, right? But like where it starts, I guess, becoming like a condition is when it starts to impair in your life, right? So like on one side of the spectrum is like daydreaming. Yeah. And then on the other spectrum or on the other side of the spectrum is like DID. Dissoci- yeah, yeah, DID. Yeah. Um, and that's like what people used to think schizophrenia was because i think i remember because because people used to think that schiz- like if you're schizophrenic you have multiple personalities but like in reality okay. did is like that's what did is yeah. where it's like you have like your body is considered a system yeah and you have multiple alters in you which is just multiple i guess personalities to make it simple and because there's not a lot of communication with those parts so those parts aren't integrated because everybody has parts like you have like a way of kind of working in the world and like interacting with the world. Um, the, the person that you are like drinking a beer at a brewery is not the same person that's going to show up to your job, you know? Yeah. So it's like that kind of thing. But I guess with the ID, it's like there's very pronounced like personalities. And because there's not a lot of integration, that's where like the whole amnesia comes in and like one person kind of takes over and it kind of switches. So I don't have that. Mm -hmm. The dissociative disorder, I guess, to my understanding is like a pretty like catch all. Mm -hmm. If you don't fit in a certain box Mm -hmm. or criteria. So for me, like I have like parts Mm -hmm. Um, and we're all kind of in the same ship. Like, Mm -hmm. like everybody's kind of conscious. Everybody kind of is aware of everybody, but there's not like the amnesia where like one personality like completely takes over. So like if I need a, so like a certain personality might come out depending on like the situation. So the situation might require like a certain, like, I guess, energy, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I can feel it, but it's not something where I'm like, it's not like I'm going to go home after this conversation and be like, Oh, I did a podcast. Like like nothing (laughs) like that. Right. Okay. But there's like specific parts that, you know, kind of in there okay so i'm aware um aware of did more than i think the average person and so with did the system um there's a lot of um the people have different names yeah and so is that something that you have as well or one part that has a name okay (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. okay so i guess with one part so his name is alex Mm -hmm. and alex is kind of and to a certain degree i kind of know when all these like kind of parts have like been born or like came to be. And this particular part was kind of like the teenage rebellion like phase. 
And so this part is like, like if I had to give it like a specific, like, I guess a couple words to kind of describe it, it's like, it's the type of like brute force person where it's like, and I would say that this part also has a bit of like the toxic masculinity portion of things. Cause this part doesn't really like, I'm dissociating, hold on. No, you're good. Okay. So like this part, doesn't really have a lot of feelings outside of like excitement and like energy or like pissed off and like annoyed at things. And so it's like, there's not a lot of dynamic when it comes to like emotions. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't really recognize necessarily like those things. Whereas like my adult version, which is me, which is Kevin, mm -hmm. the person that's here, I guess. Um, like, obviously, like, I have the wealth of knowledge and, like, the years of experience where it's, like, I kind of have to, like, see how he's feeling and kind of, like, work through it, right? Um, there's a part of me that there's still, like, a young kid, like, part of me that's, like, from, like, five years old who is just, like, really loves mom and dad, really wants to be loyal, um, really wants to, like, please, like, whoever, like is like the person above them kind of thing. And then there's other parts that are just kind of like here and there, like one that's super anxious and like really wants to know everything and conditions have to be perfect in order for us to make decisions. Mm -hmm. There's one part that kind of like deals with like emotional control, um, really just like it, feeling emotions is probably the better way I should be okay. putting it. Um, and then there's also a part that like manages time, like their sole focus and like primary motive is just there's a ticking time clock. You got X amount of years until you die. So you better figure your fucking shit out right now kind of thing. Um, and so all those things just kind of are in there. And really, I didn't start recognizing any of this until kind of recently, like with this therapist, where we started kind of working through that. And it, I guess, made sense finally once like, because one of the things that I would constantly say is like, I just don't feel together. Like, I feel like there's so many different parts of me that are all over the place. I don't feel like I'm like one like centered person. Um, and like once that, once that was recognized, then it was like figuring out like, how do all these parts feel? Mm -hmm. Who has a, you know, who has a say in certain things? And so there was a lot of like, figuring that out and we're still figuring it out now i i just vomited a lot on you it's <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 totally fine um i thought for my brain for a second was like you i thought you were gonna say you vomited like actually no vomited. no, like, oh, no. Shit, my bad. <laughs> i just silently puked in front of word, me there's bobo all over the floor um what i was gonna say is so again i'm pretty familiar with did so I guess I, I was, I didn't know that there was something that is similar to it, but isn't, doesn't fit that criteria. Yeah. But then I was also thinking, well, the association is a spectrum. Yeah. So in that sense, it makes sense how someone may not fully be diagnosed with DID, but still have dissociate severe dissociation where it's not just like not just daydreaming kind of thing yeah so. and i mean there's that too and i mean like part of the reason why like i kind of started blanking out was because you know there were certain things that i was just kind of feeling in the moment i was like uh, i gotta escape i gotta go somewhere else you know 
and I still have that. And I think that there was, there's been a lot of moments where like, I looking back at it now, I'm like, oh yeah, you were like on a different planet, dude. Like you weren't even here at this point because something was going on. And I mean that, you know, I guess I'm still kind of understanding it too. I mean, like I, and it's gotten, it's taken a long time for me to be able to like recognize because like, Part of like, for example, with like Alex's thinking is like, you're just making all this shit up in your head. You're making this up. None of this is real. Why are you? And again, this is where the masculine, like the toxic masculinity part of this, like suck it up. Like you don't have any issues. And it's like working through the fact that like, no, this is a thing. Like, why are you like specifically with like Alex is like, so you're denying your own existence kind of thing because you're literally talking to me you know so it's like Ooh. you know so it's like it's like kind of that thinking where it's like it's taken a long time and i still struggle through it but like i recognize that this is a thing yeah and it's like there's no denying it like i know it's there yeah. you know but it's taken a long time do you know the definition or how to describe derealization versus depersonalization. No, I'm like super terrible. <laughs> okay, neither do I, but I feel like that's something um depersonalization, depersonalization. Um I just think... watched a clip on this yesterday because <laughs> I was like, I gotta know how to say this right, but I don't remember. I think it's important to kind of define it. In, in my brain I can never remember which is which, but depersonalization, um just literally off of Google, um a state in which one's thoughts and feelings seem unreal or not to belong to oneself or in which one loses all sense of identity. That one versus derealization. Derealization. A feeling that one's surrounding are not real, especially as a symptom of mental mental disturbance. So that's kind of when you have that foggy going on in the back of your mind, which I'll be honest, um, I dissociate, like I said, I dissociate. And I find myself most of the time during these conversations, I find myself dissociating sometimes. And so yep. I'm like, or, and having the derealization where it gets a little bit foggy yep. and my brain is like, turn it, start focus on this person. And yeah. it's mostly I realize when there's um, higher levels of anxiety yeah. that I do experience that kind of stuff. And it's my, my, like the body, like that's why earlier I was like, oh, think of it as excitement. And so your body starts thinking of it as an excitement and starts not responding to it as if it were stress kind of thing. And so yeah. that's one thing that I kind of have to mentally tell myself, like, you're not in a stressful situation. This is anxiety. This yeah. is excitement, not anxiety. Yeah. And I mean, like, and I mean, it's an, like, it's ultimately like, it's, it's a useful tool, right? Like, we've all had situations where we've been in like really stressful, like really like stressful situations, or maybe we've been in a place where we're not safe. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, that's kind of there to just kind of like block out whatever's happening. Right. So like some of this is like kind of in PTSD, right. Where it's like, you kind of like fog that out because it's like, I don't want to be here kind of thing. And I'll do it now. And I have the same issue too, or Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I have the same like conversation with myself too, (laughs) where I'm just like, okay, we're fine. Like, save like i'm kind of having it like right now and i don't mind continuing it but like a part of me even like having this conversation is like oh my god there's gonna be so many people that are gonna know your shit now and i'm like oh god but <laughs> that's how i feel too. But, but, it, but it's like but at the same time it's kind of like okay like you're safe like you still have like your support system 
like you still have like a therapist who will help you through it if you're not feeling great about it you're not in the same place that like where this is coming from because mm -hmm. i mean i've been doing this for a long time for a long time <laughs> like kid version of me has been like doing this forever mm -hmm. so it's like we're not there you yeah. know and it's like and i have to do the same thing too i'm like you're okay it's, it's yeah. gonna be fine it's yeah. a lot of self-talk it's a lot of self-talk self when you think about it we grew up with a lot of self negative self-talk from our environment people always saying like um no yours i mean yeah. yeah or the way that con razón or what is it like i'll give you a good reason to cry oh yeah like phrases like that yeah um just a lot of negative self-talk so I mean, we're used to self-talking to ourselves. So it's just a matter of switching that conversation to a positive one. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that is something that's like, I guess, it's a thing that happens in like Latin families. Because I guess the, the other thing about this too is like, I guess looking at like, I guess family history and like how we kind of function as a family. There's a lot of like, and I actually had a conversation with my dear about this recently where we were like, like, there's not a lot of confidence in our family. There's a lot of, like, negative, like, self-talk and negative perception on life and just, mm -hmm. like, general, like, not positive people. And, like, and, like, I had this conversation with my therapist where I'm just, like, you know, like, this is just such a pervasive issue. And, like, even with my cousins now, like, I see them and, you know, there's a wide range of like, I guess, negative self-talk and even just isolation amongst all of them. And like, just general like anxiety of like life, you know? And, you know, I was like, you know, and I feel like I'm a part of that. It almost feels like it's like a family curse. Like this mm. is something that's like been there and I've inherited it. And so it's like, now it's kind of like trying to figure out how to break the curse. Like, how do I, you know, how do I break out of this? How do I like overcome it? Because I don't want to feel this way. Yeah, that's another you thing know? a lot of us first genders are doing is breaking that generational trauma yeah. in a lot of different ways. And it's not easy being a first gender when you have absolutely no idea how to go about it. You're yeah. learning as you go. You, it's, you know, when you're the only one doing it, like who do you go to for help? How do you like, hey, I'm trying to do this or do that, like break this kind of generational trauma yeah but there's no one around for you to kind of be like talk to about yeah because we don't talk <laughs> yeah and it just it's it's i guess like i look at and this is kind of like the time function kind of coming in where it's like i'm 34 and like i'm figuring out this now and it's like i mean it, instead of looking at it as like thank goodness you're figuring this out now yeah because you still have like 30 more years or well, maybe not 30, but like, you know, <laughs> like maybe like 16 more years of life to like, you know, learn from this and like, you know, live a different life, mm -hmm. like, you know, moving forward. But like, you know, the, the part of the time thing is just kind of like, fuck, like 34, I'm learning this now. Like, you know, I've wasted all this time trying to figure this out now. And like, damn it, like, I wish this was something that like I had figured out before because X, Y, and Z situation would have been handled a lot differently. And I would have like had more time to like enjoy life instead of like feeling miserable like I am now. But it's like, but you're right. It's like, 
and I'm saying this because like I have to I have to tell myself this, I have to convince myself of this now, but like you know, like it's not it's like who could we have gone to? You know, I'm I shouldn't be speaking for you, but like No, I mean you're valid. Like, you know, like you're speaking truth. Like who, who, I didn't go to one. Like, yeah. And it's like, you know, what what were we supposed to do? We did our best and we're still doing our best now. You mentioned that you have an older sister. I have an older sister too. Yes. I never talked about these things to my sister. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure how your relationship with is with yours. We had a, I mean, we would fight like cats and dogs when we were little, but we ended up, we have a pretty good relationship now. We just don't delve into these deep conversations yeah which um we're going to soon because i convinced my sister to let me do an episode with her <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know if it'll get like actually your uploaded. coming <laughs> <laughs> you hear that Alan? <laughs> um but yeah like even having an older sibling it never crossed my mind to go to my sister to talk about these things yeah why i don't know we just didn't so I have no relationship with my sister. <laughs> so it probably has to uh-huh. do. <laughs> I was gonna ask, I was like, how is my relationship with your sister? Well, let's um that was funny. Um so I okay. Did I tell you that I had a conversation with my therapist about this? Like going into this, like I'm doing this podcast thing? Or did mm-hmm. I just you say- briefly mention that your therapist knows, but so I don't we, think you explained. So <laughs> this is like I guess a backstory to a story. Okay. But like basically like going into this, like we had like a whole we had a whole session mm-hmm. about this very podcast. Okay. <laughs> like going into it. Because, you know, going into it, I was just like, I'm going to say a lot of like things that are probably not are kind of incendiary. I don't care. Because at this point, like the truth is the truth. And like, I feel like growing up, like there were a lot of topics that just didn't get discussed and those things swept under the rug and, you know, we don't talk about these things. Do you but, think like, it was because for the comfort of others? Yes. Okay. And so, you know, we had this whole conversation about, and I think some of my parts have been like relishing a moment like this where I'm like, I'm going to fucking torch some of these relationships because why the fuck not? And like, and we had to have a conversation about balance and like, what are we doing this for? So long story short, I had to have like a group meeting inside myself and be like, there's a reason when we're doing this, we're telling the truth, but we're also not going to enjoy this like some filthy bastard. Like we're going, to, you know, we're having a conversation. Yeah. So uh, the sister thing, yeah, I didn't have a relationship with my sister. Um, and I think some of this is also kind of, I guess more family backstory as well. Um, and this is also a gendered thing too. So like sister and like my sister growing up was raised differently than I was. And this is very like, like, like the typical, like the first Latin boy, like he's just going to get like, oh, you can go out, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, ah, like he's spoiled. Like that was my experience growing up. Um, And I think there was like a favorite that my mom had. And I think just kind of the way that things kind of functioned and didn't go well. But like, you know, growing up, like my my mom was like, like an authoritarian in the house. Mm -hmm. And like my sister used to get beat like pretty crazy. Like I remember once where it was like, oh, can I talk about this in detail? Well, I won't talk in detail. Whatever you want to share. But like, um, like I remember like, seeing like my sister run into her room trying to hide from my mom 
because she's got. I'm gonna put a trigger warning. Sorry, I should have said trigger warning. I'm like just because I feel like this might be a trigger warning. Yeah. Situation. Sorry. Good. Good thinking. Um. And so, like, you know, she's getting, like, hit, and like, I'm like five years old, like, terrified, like, oh my god, this is like, this is my caretaker. Like, what is she doing? You know, almost to the point where, like, after like that had happened, I went up to my mom, five years old, me was just like, you know, Jesus doesn't like that, right? like straight face because like, I was just like, this isn't right, you know? And so like my sister kind of grew up in that kind of background. And so- How much older is she? Six years. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so she grew up in that background. And like, when she turned 18, she was like, she split. Mm -hmm. She was like, I'm out. And so we didn't really have like a relationship really growing up. And the circumstances as to why she left also kind of put a lot of distance between us. There's also a lot of like other things. Like if I had to like, I guess, sum it up as far as why we don't have a relationship, it's purely because like time's run out. Like, and we're such different people at this point. And we're not similar personalities. And like, I can understand like why she left. And I can understand like why, like she didn't want to come back, right? And at the same time, I had to look at it as like, there was a lot of like life things that I went through where she just actively wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And so like, again, like kind of like trying to find anybody that I can like gather strength from and like learn and like figure things out, like that was a component that wasn't there. Um, And so now it's just like, I live my life, you live your life and it's ugly, it's not pretty, but that's life. Sometimes you just don't. Have you have you tried to reconnect with your sister? No, I gave up. You gave up. Okay. Yeah. Um, part of that was because so when she left, she like completely blacked people out. Like she didn't like we didn't know where she lived. I had a I, I had an idea of where she was. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew she was with like I guess her current husband. Um, and he was a piece of shit. And so she kind of just like, it was always like, she contacts us, but there's no communication going back to her. Like we didn't know where she lived. I mean, we had a phone number, but like, we didn't know what was happening during the period of time that she was gone. And it was like, I think like an eight year stretch where like, we just, we talked to her, but like, she wasn't disclosing anything about what was going on in her life. And it wasn't until like my dad passed away that she comes back into the picture. And there was like money issues involved. She took money that she shouldn't have. People gave up a lot to like, you know, make sure that like my dad was better. And that was kind of the final straw um, where I just was like, nah. And like, you were you already weren't there. And like, you do this. Yeah. And I can understand why She's also a narcissist. I can see it. It's kind of a place of like, she does it out of survival, but I can't breach that. Like, I just can't, I I can't get past that. And so it's like, I had to make a conscious decision where I'm like, do I try, even though there's several, several, several years with like, there was no trying. Yeah. And like, I'm a young kid, like what, what am I supposed to do kind of thing? And so it's like, so yeah, again, not pretty, but that's just what it is. Um, so yeah, going back to that, no. 
there's no relationship there. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, well, damn. I mean, okay. <laughs> if we if we want to make it happy, there's a lot of like people that like I do surround myself with now that like are chosen family, and I think that that's been, I guess, the guiding light that kind of helps at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I guess it gives me kind of the, I guess I don't know, like compass, or drive. Yeah. You know, know that I'm not a piece of shit, which I have to constantly tell myself I'm not that, but like. You know, it's, it took a lot of effort. And I think that there's a lot of, like, I guess a lot of, I I guess I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to do that. As you should. Yeah. Especially because, again, like, I guess looking back at it, too, like, you know, like, my dad was a friendly guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's dead, so he can't have friends now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> side story to that, now that I'm thinking about it. My friend Lena, who's going to listen to this, she knows the story. Um, but like we hadn't talked for like a minute and yeah. like we met up, I think like at a Pizza Hut. Yeah. And like we're sitting at the Pizza Hut and she's asking like questions and she's like a very like bubbly, bubbly, you know, happy person. And she's like, oh, like, you know, how's your mom? How's your dad? And my response uh-huh. without hesitation was like, well, dad's six feet under. And like she like both bursts into tears and laughs at the same time because she doesn't know how to react. And of course that's what I was trying to do. I was getting a reaction out of her. But that's kind of the, uh, in case you haven't picked it up, I'm a pretty like <laughs> dark, morbid sense of humor here. I, I see. I use dark humor too to get through my own shit. So like I get it. Like my therapist asked me one time, or it was my psychiatrist. Um, we were having our monthly session and she goes, um, any, like any thoughts of suicide, harming yourself, you know, the usual kind of questions like that. And I go, I was like, oh yeah, there's ideations. And she goes like, you know, how do you, how do you work through those? And I'm like, I joke around with it. Like, oh, look at car. What if I, whoop, <laughs> I'm not going to do that though. You know, like just, just dark humor. I'm like, like joking around like that. Like it yeah. crosses my mind. So I'm going to be like, oh, da, 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 whoopsies kind of oh, yeah. thing. But like, I, I told her, I was like, I just play around with it and joke around. Cause I, I like, I know. I told her, I was like, I know that I don't want to do it. It's just a passing thought. I just yeah. kind of, like, have fun with it. Like, oh, there's a car coming. What if I, whoop? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and I, do the, I do the exact same thing, too. Oh, man, I have another story. But it's like, I feel like my ADD or ADHD or whatever thing I have on that spectrum has also been kicking in, too. So I'm sorry if I've been, like, all over the place. But, like, I don't realize how I, out of, like, how tangent-filled conversations are until I'm going back through this. And then I'm like, oh, we just jumped from like this topic to that topic to that topic in five minutes. Oh shit! Well, but we can we can it makes sense to us. We can keep track of our tangents. We may not get back to one tangent. I mean, as long as but... it makes sense to you, <laughs> and it, it, you know what? If this ends up being the worst episode, oh well, we had a good conversation anyways. <laughs> but anyways, I just had to I had to put that in. Oh damn it! Now I lost what we were talking about. Um. I don't know. Morbid, dark humor, dad dying, friends. Oh, friends, friends. So, yeah, so dad's dead, so he has no friends. Um, but with my mom, like, I don't think she has, like, outside of, like, family members, like, she does not have, like, people that she can go to. And that was something that, like, I had to kind of overcome as a kid, too. Mm. Because her words were always, like, family's everything. Yeah. And it was almost kind of like this, like, 
describe it like dark like ominous message of like family is everything even mm. though i don't get along with most of my family except for like my cousins who i love dearly um and so like and so growing up like i also had that aversion to, like i don't know how i'm gonna make friends mm. because family is everything and like i guess looking back at it now it's like my mom was just so anxious and like i guess I don't know how to describe it where she just couldn't have friends. And so it's like, look, like now me where it's like, I have like these people who I can go to who like, if I'm in a bind and like, I'm going to fall backwards, like they're there to catch me. And it's like, from that, like having that has been really nice. And to know that, like, I put in the work to have these friends, like, yes, I'm not like perfect. I'm sometimes I'm a piece of shit. Sometimes I'm all over the place, but like, you know, I have these people who like, I've worked really hard with to have these good relationships with, you know? And like, it's unfortunate that like, sort of like some family members just don't have that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad that I'm here that I have that. So that's just to counter the sadness of like, <laughs> having a relationship with my sister. But um, I think, I think it is important to have that family relationship whether it is with your own family and or your chosen family yeah because i i do have what i feel like is a chosen family and it's my friends back in california that i felt comfortable enough to be myself around and like that's like that i whenever it comes to like meeting new people and like in terms of like a friendship like that's that's the the gold standard yeah is these people like like hector and the people that i like I have friends with down over there in California. Like they, they are my chosen family. Yeah, because they provided a safe space for me to be myself in and and have these dark humor laughs together. Yeah, make fun of each other and call each other out and just yeah, they see me through some bath times too. Like, did I say bath? I meant bad. If I, I said think bath. you said bath, but that's okay. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. Yeah, during like bad times, like um. One little quick story. They called me the pillager of donuts because one time on a trip, um, I was a little stoned. I was a lot of stoned. And we got some donuts and I was picking at them little by little, having bits and pieces. And the next thing I know, I ate most of my friend's donuts. And he gave me the name, the pillager of donuts. And then I eventually, I bought him a whole bunch of donuts because they're from Voodoo Donuts. So then I eventually oh, um, okay. brought a whole bunch and I gave it to him. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have that to, that, that name still lives on. So Anyways. I have a question for you. Yes. Let's talk about drugs and mental health. Drugs and mental health. Yeah, like smoking weed and stuff. Like how do you, because I don't smoke weed. Okay. But not because I have like something against it. I have the worst trips with weed and it doesn't matter what strain or any of that stuff and i always find it interesting to hear like people's experiences about like when they smoke weed like how their body reacts to it and i'm especially interested if like like if you do have anxiety or if you do have depression like how does that kind of work because like i've had nothing but like terrible experiences with weed yeah. and i've like made it so that like conditions are like perfect like i'm with the right people i have like what is supposedly like the right amount for me there's food like and it's still never as good let's see um i think what would be the best thing for me is to not smoke at all 
I, I'll be honest, I think that would probably be the better thing just because um, it is still a drug. It is still affecting my chemistry. Yeah. Um, because sometimes when I am down and I happen to smoke, mm -hmm. it doesn't help it. But I've also worked hard to let it like to, to smoke on under good conditions or like if I'm going to do it, at least in a better conditions, um, since I don't drink alcohol anymore. Yeah. I kind of also smoke in a way that I also smoke so that it's a, just a recreational thing that I can do and enjoy without feeling completely disconnected from the social aspect of like socializing because yeah. it's kind of hard to be my to just be like in my late 20s and be around other people just in general just to be around other people who do drink and i don't drink um it's kind of getting over that social s s weirdness um so that's an easy hard that's an easy and a hard question um i just try to be mindful of when i do smoke because i know that it can make me more depressed yeah because i can get stuck in that thinking um Every once in a while, I feel myself a little anxious. And again, it's just kind of being aware of what, how I'm feeling, being intuitive and be like, should I smoke or should I hold off and take gabapentin or something instead? Yeah. Um, so it's just being mindful of it for me. Um, I used to get very anxious with it, but then I think it's just kind of come to be because when I first like smoked it years ago, like it was still illegal. So I'm like a teenager. Yeah. trying to pretend that I'm totally like sober yeah and you know out in public so that's kind of like where the anxiety kind of comes from is more so like because of that yeah. in the past um but for the most part I think I have a relatively healthier relationship with cannabis than than I ever than I ever ever did with alcohol and so that's one of the reasons I allow myself to smoke is because I actually am more in control of it. I, I, I don't, my personality isn't, um, isn't for the night. It doesn't go for the, like, it doesn't, cause I didn't like who I was when I would drink alcohol most of the time. And so with, with cannabis, at least I'm more so myself. Yeah. And so I feel I can be more myself as well. And like, I, it, what I do like about it is that it helps me not mask and I can be my goofy self without feeling like ashamed yeah. of it. So that's one of the reasons that I also do enjoy, enjoy it. Um, but yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess I was curious because it's like, I feel like, I mean, especially like as we like figure out like our mental health, like I guess our relationship with like any sort of like drug or alcohol, like I guess it like recontextualizes like, your experience with them. Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with a cousin of mine where he's like, he's been smoking weed since he was like, I don't know, 14. Yeah. He's been doing it for a while. Um, and just recently we started talking about like how he has anxiety all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, was it always this anxious for you? And he's like, no, it just started happening like these years. I'm like, you smoke, you still smoke like the amount that you still do. I'm like, why do you still do this? He's like, I don't know. It's just it's compulsion at this point. But it's like, I feel like, I guess like I was curious because it's like, I feel like it was a lot of trial and error for me trying to figure it out. And like, I guess for me, it's always been like a lack of control, like, or not lack of control, but like a lack of like feeling like I'm in control of the situation. Mm -hmm. Like one of the big things 
that like always happens when I've smoked weed at this point is like I always think I've like pissed myself. Oh, like peed myself. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like there's like one specific memory of like um, I went to go see a friend in Oakland, and like I smoked weed, and I'm like laying on the ground, and I'm like legs spread open and I'm like terrified. I'm like, oh my God, did I just piss myself right now? And I, every so often I would just start like doing this, like fanning my pants. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh God, I, did that. I think I just pissed myself right now. And so it's like, like that feeling just never kind of like the anxiety feeling of it just never really goes away from me. Yeah. So I'm always just like, oh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like knowing yourself and knowing what is good and not good for you. Yeah. And yeah, things are a trial and error. Like, I have my control with alcohol is shit. And I just, it just got to a point where eventually it was like, it's all or nothing. And so I just, it finally decided nothing. Yeah. None. So, I mean, to each their own. Yeah. In a sense, and figuring out what is best for you and knowing yourself if you can or cannot do something to the best of your abilities kind of thing. Yeah. Within your own power. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, anyways, so I don't want them to kick us out. Oh. So we're towards the very end. Do you have any last minute things? <laughs> any last minute kind of things that you want to talk about or mention? That's brought you that you brought up or any last minute things you would like to mention? No, I don't think so. I think that was everything. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, so I have. I try to end with a whole, like a little bit of some fun facts just because I like fun facts and it also helps me get to know more about other countries. Um, so as you were saying, your, your parents came over during the 80s during the Civil War. Um, so during the Civil War, some schools were actually run by volunteers. Um, and I didn't know how long the Civil War was. It was 12 years. There were some some websites that were saying it started in 1978, but there was also a whole bunch that said 1980. So give or take, it was roughly 12 years. Yeah. So that was, was wild. Um, and then visitors, visitors to El Salvador might drive on their U.S. driver's license for up to 30 days. After that, they need to they need to get a Salvadorian license. So if you're over, if you're over there, you can use your driver's license. <laughs> I, I guess I can naturalize too in El Salvador. I just learned that. Oh, there yeah. you go. And lastly, a little one that I have is the most widely known archaeological arc, the most widely known archaeological archaeological site in El Salvador is the ruins of the Tazumal, which is which was settled by the Mayans in fifteen five. Oh my lordy, which was settled by the Mayans in five thousand BC. I didn't. A long time that. ago. That's a long time ago. A very long time ago. Anyways. I have not been there in a while. So. <laughs> I've never been. Maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, any last minute or any shout out, social media, anything like that you want to share? Shout out to your therapist. Mm, uh, shout out to my therapist. Um, no, I don't have anything else. No, that's, yeah. that's cool. I'm good. I mean, shout out to all the people in Anacrime. And Anna what? Anacrime. Anacrime. That was the nickname for Anaheim. Oh, my God. Anacrime. So shout out to all of them. They know who they are. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening. And hasta la próxima.